I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Like me, he's like, hey, do you want to come open up for Ja Rule for the All-Star NBA uh, after party? <laughs> and my boy was sitting next to me and he's like, he's like, Damn straight, you're gonna do this party, right? Hey everybody, have I got something for you today. This is a very good episode. We got Vicious from The Bills Music. Uh, came in, we started talking about just how he made it, how the group got together. They went from DJing to uh, actually producing their own music and you know having their own artists under their own label and all that. It's actually really, really cool. If you're wondering how the hell did I get vicious, well, we're friends. We grew up in the same neighborhood, so uh, that's how. So I was very happy to have him on, and uh, this is very, very interesting. You're going to hear a lot about the music industry, especially in North America, and how they're trying to corner the uh, one billion person market, which you should do if you can. I don't know if I'm there yet. Uh, Hercules Complex, for those of you wondering, the trailer, just a little bit of a teaser, is out now, out today, actually, I think. Um, so you can check that out on the website, pendelscomedy.com. There's links to YouTube. And for the full video, it goes on sale October 1st. Now, without further ado, let's get to this awesome interview. Formerly known as DJ Vicious. Yes, sir. From The Bills. Yes, yes, that's right. Music crew now just goes by Vicious. Correct. Now just go by Vicious. So Vicious, tell me about yourself, sir. How uh, how'd you guys get started in the scene? Because not a lot of people uh, that listen to the podcast originally would know this. They're gonna okay. be about to get educated. Sure. But uh, you guys started kind of from the same neighborhood I started at. Park that's X. right. Park X represent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, started off actually as a DJ. Um, I was probably like 17 when I first got my first break in the game and um, yeah, you know, I just really tried to get my name out there and it was actually hard in Montreal and we all know how Montreal scene is, right? Haters. Pure haters. So it was very hard for me to kind of get into that scene. So what I did is I came up with my own concept where I would work on mixtapes, um, work out with other artists. Uh, it, it sounds funny, but I mean, I actually reached out to Cardinal, Sean Paul, all these guys before they were actually big. I even have a, a drop from Pitbull before he was even big. It's crazy because I remember when I when I reached out to Pitbull's manager, he was charging like three thousand dollars a show, and now this guy's like six figures, you know. <laughs> so it's so I used to do a lot of mixtapes like that uh, with Fat Man Scoop, all that stuff, and it just created a circulation buzz. Um, and not many people started using the internet back then either, so I would kind of use more of that too, uh, try to get some articles out there. And then randomly, that's when the whole buzz started kicking because people would be like, why is he DJing in like Toronto? He's DJing in Miami. He's DJing in Detroit. Uh, I think my biggest break happened when I opened for Funkmaster Flex. That was the craziest thing where like, you know, uh, I took a bus. <laughs> so me and my boy, we took a bus down to Detroit and we opened for Funkmaster Flex, and that was like a great stepping stone for me. And then when I came back to Montreal, promoters started calling me and started booking me. So, you know, that's just how it is. I mean, you got to make your you got to make your path. And how did you kind book of, that deal? That 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 initial Funkmaster Flex. Um, well, that's the same thing. Like I was creating my own buzz, um, but mainly outside of Montreal. So I started working with like a few. Uh, blogs uh, well back then it was websites then blogs right now and uh, you know did a cover piece on me and you know I just really try to reach out to promoters who were throwing parties I'm like hey I'm an upcoming DJ and what's funny is back then a lot of DJs in let's say well I mainly focused on the South Asian market so that's the Indian Desi market whatever and those DJs were spitting on CDs 
I was like the first guy coming up with vinyl, and they were like, "What the hell? This guy DJs with vinyl, right?" And um, so I met I met this guy who was throwing a party, and he's like, "Hey, listen, I got a spot for opening." He goes, "I can't pay you, but I'll pay you for uh, bus fare down, or no, I'll pay you like three hundred bucks to to cover your costs." I was like eighteen years old. I go check a flight to Detroit. It's like five hundred bucks. So the cheapest thing was to take a bus, seventeen hour bus ride. And you know what? Whatever. Like, we did it. I got to meet Funk Flex and, you know, um, open for it. And it was cool. There was like a good thousand people there. And and what's, fun, <laughs> what's even funnier, I tell the story to everyone else. But after that party, like, the promoter really liked me. He's like, hey, do you want to come open up for Ja Rule for the All-Star NBA uh, after party? <laughs> and my boy was sitting next to me and he's like, he's like, damn straight, you're going to do this party, right? <laughs> But in the same time, I was a crossword from you because I was still in school and things like that. And I'm like, I actually told a promoter, I'm like, I can't because I got to study for an exam. No. So he's like, are you sure? I'm like, uh, yeah. And he's like, all right, that's cool, man. You keeping your school, you know, first, whatever. I regretted a lot of those things. But in the same time, now it's, you know, I mean, I'm happy. At least I got my degree in things and, you know, what I pursue music too. So you know it's oh, yeah i know it, it's it's just crazy like who knows what who what? knows I mean, back then jarul was like huge you know yeah. and like he was blown up and it was it was a cool thing you know meeting nba uh, superstars and after party and stuff like that but you know whatever but i mean that kind of helped me um gain my name and i started djing a lot more in montreal uh started getting prime time spots and then you know i flew to miami a couple of times i did detroit I did chicago i did uh a uh, whole bunch of spots, um, mainly around North America, and kind of also built my network. So that's where I built my network to where I am today, uh, you know, running a production company. So uh, that's really where it's at right now. How did you meet the whole crew? Because originally it was yeah. you, but now you have actual artists under you. Yeah, so what? how it really started was, um, so I used to DJ, and then I met my current partner right now, Master D., um, in college and he was part of a band and um, so I was really focused on just DJing urban pop music and that's or house back then and that's really what uh, I, I, would, I would spin and you know I saw him and he used to do a lot of college events and you know uh, he was really talented he was a very talented artist um, and then he told me like you know he produces tracks and uh, I remember going to the studio and you know made me hear a lot of things and I was like oh it sounds really good um, and he kind of influenced me to kind of get more in, involved in production and, you know, understanding music on a different level. Like, you know, I was really strict to urban and house. Like, that's really what I knew. Uh, but he was, like, very open to, like, you know, classical, to country, to all those type of things. And, you know, kind of influenced me. I used to come in the studio. I wouldn't do much. i just listen to what he, does, what he used to do, and it influenced me a lot. And back then, I'm sure a lot of people from Parkex know this, but... Uh, they used to sell a lot of uh, bootleg Indian mixtapes. Oh, yeah, I know that. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> so, um, so I used to hear a lot of DJs from Toronto, uh, DJs from the States. You know, they used to push a lot of mixtapes. And I'm like, hey, no one's repping Montreal. So I told them, like, let's get together and let's do a, like a bootleg mixtape. And we did our first mixtape um, and, you know, we pitched it to a local shop. And he's like, yeah, let's do it. And that back then was cassettes. And it was called Insomnia. And we did it, and it did, like, amazing. Like, he goes, dude, we sold, like, a thousand copies, you know? And I was like, what? thousand copies? Like, local neighborhood, right? <laughs> it's like, all right. So he's like, are you guys working on more? And I'm like, okay. So we kind of worked on a second one, and that one sold 2,000 copies. So at this point, we're like, yo, this is kind of trickling. And I was spending more time in the studio with him. And, um, and he was working on original production on for other artists. Uh, and then that guy came back and said, like, hey, you're going to do another one? We're like, yeah, let's do another one. And that one sold 5,000 copies. And back then, then we jumped to CDs then. So we're like, yo, we're onto something. And uh, so I told him, let's just for let's form a crew. Like, you know, whatever. We call ourselves um, uh, the Bills. And we're just like, but it was just a, a joke at that point because we were just basement kind of guys just working on things together. And we're like, I, I couldn't come up with a name. And he's like, yeah, let's call ourselves the Bills. I'm like, why? He goes, because uh, we both love music, we're both married to music, the brother-in-laws, and I was like, ah, this is jokes, you know, but we just went with it, and that name just kept resonating in all our stuff, and people knew us by the bills, and um, 
Then our next big break happened when, I don't know if you know, remember this artist, Keisha Shante? Yeah, I remember Keisha Shante. So she had a remix competition and we're like, oh, this is an original step to into the game. So we did an original remix with 50 producers. We got knocked down to 20 and then we were the top 10 and then we made the top three. Oh. Yeah. So they actually pressed um, our vinyl and, you know, it was distributed. It was playing on radio. So at this point, we're like, I was getting more and more involved in that stuff, you know? So that's kind of how we build the bills. And, you know, we said, okay, let's make it as a production unit. I know he, if we let's make tracks for other artists and things like that. And, you know, that's just really how it kind of came across. And um, and then back then also, how I met Kashif, who was actually part of the crew now, is uh, he went to the same high school as me. And Kashif was really, really... Uh, like he was involved in his own thing too. He was doing music, and he got signed to a major, a major deal for like, like a pop boy band group, but representing with Quebec, and they were called In Motion, and, uh, and he was like touring all across Quebec. He had like three, four, five number one hits uh, on Quebec radio. This is like Sekaoui and all that stuff, right? <laughs> but it's it's crazy because I never heard it. I, mean, I don't listen to French yeah, radio, but you know he was doing really good, and like he was touring crazy, and you know. Um, but then he kind of changed his direction in music because the record label was just like forcing him in a direction he didn't want to go and he just like hated the music biz. So he's like, fuck this. And he just left it. And then he met with me and he's like, yo, I heard you guys did a remix with Keisha Shante. You know, like, what you guys doing? Like, I don't mind coming to the studio and whatever and checking you guys out. And, you know, we were kind of like family friends and you his sister. And I'm like, yeah, sure, just come by. And so we came in the studio and we just vibes started kicking and... That's it, man. Now we're just like a unit, you know, and we do stuff together and, and you know, the crew, the reason it's called the Bills and Kashif is because the Bills was initially me and him and it didn't make sense to have Kashif part of it. So it's now when we tour as a group, it's the Bills and Kashif. So that's because I was going to ask you about that. Yeah, what? yeah, yeah. So that's really, like, a lot of people are like, yo, why don't you just put Kashif in the Bills, <laughs> right? Yeah, but... But, I mean, the reality, the way we envisioned the whole team was, like, the Bills were the production unit, uh, Kashif was the R&B artist, and that's where we were. And um, during that time, too, um, I obviously was thinking ahead of the game. And I was like, yo, let's just pitch our original music to major labels out in, in India and stuff like that. Because that was the next step for me. That's what you're saying there. We, you had mentioned to me another time. Yeah. It's so smart because there's, I think, a billion. Yeah. <laughs> fucking people in India do yeah. so if you can get a small percentage yeah like 1% you're destroying <laughs> yeah but the, the market I know we've always talked about this but the market in India like with the years of experience is just it's a different beast you know it's a complete different beast but I was like it was our first time like it was our first time getting into that game where, and we're just like you know I thought like listen you get you get a record deal and then that's it you're like already like 10 steps ahead but it's not that. The game's not that. So if you get a record deal, it's a good stepping stone, but you still got to do all the groundwork. Because I remember when we pitched when we pitched this album, uh, the, the hottest song that came out from the album was Two Step Bhangra. And that was like our hit, like which blew up. But what happened is when we pitched the album, we got, we got signed to a major label. We got a good advance. You know, we shot the music video. We shot out of Newtown. It was great. It's like, uh, we're like on another level now. We're like shooting like, you know, 60 millimeter music videos and got girls and all this stuff. We're like, what the hell? This is crazy. And um, so we shot the music video and yeah, you know, the label tried to pitch the song. But in for them, you know, this is how record labels are. They just take, the, the, you know, they sign you records and then if it doesn't work within like four or five weeks, they, they kind of give up. So, but what's funny is like, while they were trying to promote that record, I was they were promoting it in North America, and I was just pitching it like crazy, and started you know pushing it to like radio stations all across uh, Toronto and 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 Ottawa, and this radio station in Toronto, I don't know man, this is like God's grace or whatever, but Z one hundred three in Toronto, it's like a mix ninety six in Toronto, and the radio um, director was like, hey yo, the tr this track's pretty catchy. Um, I'll let you know if we if it makes it in the music meeting. And then he go, comes back to me. He's like, you know what? We're going to give it a shot. But he goes, we're going to give it like bare minimum rotation, like once a week. I'm like, I don't care. Play whatever time, right? And that was like a huge high for us because it's like you're playing on mainstream radio with like Rihanna, Justin Timberlake. And you got these 
you got this Indian fusion track playing there, right? <laughs> so so we're just like all happy, like you know what? Okay, it's playing once a week, and that was great. While I'm on air on the other end of the corner, like bitching at the record label in India, and be like, dude, I'm playing on mainstream radio. What are you guys doing? You're in, like you said, a billion people. They gotta be listening to this music, you know? Yeah, don't worry. It takes time, and you know that's just how it is. And um, from once a week, it started to end up playing eight times a day. The phones in the radio station just blew up. This was our request from fans. Yeah, because you know the Indian community in Toronto, they were just like, "What the? There's <laughs> an Indian fusion song playing on mainstream radio? Like you hear Justin Timberlake, you hear uh, Sean Paul, and then you hear like Two Step Bunger. Like, yo, what the <laughs> fuck? Did I just change the radio station? <laughs> you know? So it blew up, and we we're just like, "Holy shit!" We were just we were touring like Canada. Uh, and Toronto almost every weekend like oh, yeah we were like Montreal Toronto Montreal to the point I was like yo let's just buy a condo in Toronto because we're always there but you know it was great I mean you know we we also did a show called um, Summer Rush and that was another level because you had you know you remember 112 sadly yeah so 112 was uh, performing Crystal Waters Enrique Iglesias was the headliner um, and then we were like the third act and there was some other opening acts in there where we're like, what the hell, Enrique Iglesias and you got the Bills and Cashers. Like, what the hell's going on, right? <laughs> All the way from Park Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it was at the uh, Wildwater Kingdom. So there was like a good seventeen to 20,000 people there. That's our first time performing in like a huge crowd like that. We're like, yo, there's a bunch of white people here. Like, will they really know our song? And when they announced us, dude, I was like so amazed to see white people Erupted. singing Erupted. yeah they just went nuts and they all knew the song and i'm like yo this is crazy so you know that's really when we realized like yo the power of music if you do it the right way you know it could really get and influence people and and that's really how we got our break as a group as the bills and kashif and ever since then like that's kind of how we built all everything up now from there uh, but I like I'm you know I'm not in the music uh, business, but I know that I've heard that it's so cutthroat. Yes. And there's so much money games. Like it's not always going to be the best track. It's not always going to be no. the most talented people. There's a lot of money games. You ever had to suffer because of that shit? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of. Um, that's the thing. We're doing it w w the way we did it. We did it strictly independent. So yeah, we got the major record label deal, but you know they paid for one video. But, you know, they weren't, like, for them over there, after four weeks, it wasn't picking up for them. But for here in North America, we were touring like crazy. It was like a huge track. So we're like, we can't give up, you know. And we basically took the money that we made from touring and we reinvested it. And we reshot another music video. So, yeah, it was, it was tough for us because we were doing everything independently from our own pocket and just keeping on reinvesting. And, um, yeah, there's a lot of times where, you know, like... You get, like, for example, the radio station didn't expect the song to blow up to this point. And now it got harder for us to get on radio. Because the way the game works is like, you know, there is, they call it advertising, but the advertising is basically a payola kind of thing. So it's like, you know, you, you, you invest a certain amount of money in the radio station, which is considered a pay for play kind of thing. So you're so, paying the radio station to play you. Yeah, because... It's to do with them liking you initially. No, there's nothing There's nothing to do with them liking you or any of that stuff. I mean, if you're independent, like major labels basically block out huge uh, advertising budgets on radio. So they call it advertising budgets because you can't really go into a PD and be like, here's a check for $200,000 and play all my artists on Universal. Like, that's illegal. But if I come in and write a check for $200,000 and say, hey, here's my advertising budget... To play ads or whatever, talk about my artist. Ah, that's it, how it works. It's it's a gray line like that. No one's really gonna tell you, but that's the reality. I mean, we had radio promoters coming up to us and be like, "Hey, yo, let's pitch our song. Let's pitch your song and this and that." It's expensive, man. It's like you know, um, five six G's and there's no guarantee. Five six G's for one track. For one track and there's no guarantee. And in my head, I'm like, well, I could take five six G's and shoot another music video or like spend 10 G's and shoot another music and all this guaranteed fans and and actual rotation I can get from that especially from the fan base that we grew digitally you know from our Facebook and YouTube and stuff like that so you know those were there was a crossroads between like hey we're gonna start dishing out money and like trying to do these things or keep it real and do whatever that we can and market it through 
our mediums that we were good at and that's what we did i mean if we had extra cash hey we had maybe we had some drug money <laughs> yeah <laughs> but i mean that's not what we did you know we just we kept it real and we just invested in whatever areas that we thought it would be you know but cutthroat yeah big time i mean you know that you gotta you gotta have tough skin to be in this game especially when you start hitting points where i mean i'm, I'm sure it's exactly that in comedy too I mean, the the higher you get up, you know, you need to have the right agent. You need to have the right people behind you to kind of put you out to that. Because what happens is that when you get up to that point, there's a lot of fake people That's what's happening that just want now. a piece of the pie. And when, when you're not there, they ain't there anymore. And it's happened. There's a lot of people. But you know what? That's that's the name of the game. And you just got to be tough-skinned about it. So, Did you... Because I know, um, like, say Universal. Universal yeah. blocks out a lot. Universal actually has a huge portion of the market right now with mainstream yeah uh, did you guys ever have to deal with major record labels here that either wanted to sign you for something that wasn't fair or you got bumped because of them or was there ever anything like that no uh but you know i think there's a lot of people that don't understand uh, the realities of of the music business i mean back in the days i'm talking about let's say in the 90s and whatever it is when record labels signed you to give you this huge advance because they know they make, they're going to make their money back on the royalties from record sales. But the game has changed now. So it's it's not like that anymore. So these million dollar advances ain't going to happen. I mean, um, they'll happen if you, you yourself as an artist create that buzz. So the game has twisted to a point where the label is there to support you. But it's not there to create you. And it's left to the artist to create themselves. So there's a lot of people that, you know, or a lot of artists will come up to me and be like, yo, man, you know, check my stuff out. And, you know, I'm not the type of guy who who shuts down people because it happened to me. You know, a lot of people just shut us down. and be like, no, whatever, ain't going to happen. Like, I remember when we, when, when Two Step Bunger was playing all across and we were pitching it and we were, you know, pitching it much music, you know, play our music video. And uh, they're like, well, no one, no one cares about that type of music. That's actually what they told me. No one cares about that type of music. And I was like, are you serious, man? Like, seriously, it's playing all across North America. Like, it's playing all across all the radio stations in, 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 in Canada. And when I pitched it also to Virgin, they were like, send us more stats. I'm like, how much more stats do you want? To pl- do you want? It's playing eight times a day. It's in the top seven charts in Toronto. Like, what more stats do you want? And they didn't support it. So, you know, I like there, there there were some blockages like that and then I know then we pitched a second single um that was called Spanish Fly and much music picked it up. So, you know what like that's the thing like what happens to a lot of people they'll just be like, "Oh, you know what? Fuck them, fuck that." And they, they take too much emotions to it, but that's the game. They gave they will give up easy. They will they'll know they won't give up easy. They'll for sure they'll just tell you, "Oh, yeah, I'm talking about people. Yeah, they'll give up easily." Like, you know, as soon as you hit a roadblock, they're like, oh, fuck it, these guys are hating on me and this and that. And get, nah, man, that's just how the game is. You got to keep pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing. And then one day someone's door is going to open. And that's what happened. Like, look, they didn't take our first single, second single. Hey, it's on rotation on much music. You know what? Like, that's just how it works. How did that's, that do as a music video? It did really good. I mean, and then it played on radio and then we, we toured even more with that. So, and then we also uh, did some licensing deals on it. So, I mean, it's great. I mean... But you know what? Like it's what it is. You just got it as an artist, or as a team, or as a crew. You just got to be constantly consistent. You can't, you can't just be like, let me just put something out and see what happens. Let me just pitch it to it and it's what's gonna happen. Like, no, it's not how it is. You might have five, um, you might have five deals on a table, and you're gonna be working all of them, because you know what? One guy is gonna let go, and it's happened. Like for example, uh, one of our second album we had we had a label that was uh it wasn't a major like american label it was a major indian label that said you know what we're gonna sign you where you guys are hot it was great great advance you know great publishing and everything was good and it took like four or five months to the point where we're like okay we're waiting for it and we're like okay should we put anything out yet because it's part of the album or not and then they backed out on the deal so now we put out a we put out a music video that's been out for six months, and this game six months is like, yo, what happened? Like, what are you guys doing? Yeah. So that's when we learned from that mistake, and we're like, you know what? Fuck that. We're doing it ourselves, 
yeah, we had to put money back again and just regenerate it. But you know what? It, it, it worked. And we just continued continue the momentum. We started touring and it was good. But now we know like a label or anyone comes in to sign us. It's like, okay, what do you got for us? But I'm not stopping my course. I'm going to keep going. Are you going to jump on my train or not? <laughs> that's just how it is, right? That's how we. That's how we've built our our system now. But it's not like, uh, you know, how it was before. It'd be like, okay, yeah, man, we got a deal, and we're just gonna wait till it happens. No, man. They can shelve you. That's what a lot of record labels can do. They can sign you, and they can shelve you. And sometimes they'll even do it because you're too hot and you'd be competing with another artist. Oh, so they'll just sign you. You think this is a good thing, but they'll just yeah. put you out the game for a while. That's right. Oh, that's not good. Yeah. So you gotta be. You gotta be smart. You know read your contracts uh, and make sure you know what you're signing a lot of people just like oh a record deal I'm gonna sign that shit no man just read the contracts or get legal help you know just pay somebody to read the read your contracts and know what you're doing so I'm all for the independent route yeah. especially nowadays I'm 100% for that because I know that it's fucked up out there yeah. and well, there's so much there's so many resources that <coughs> you have in hand right now yeah uh, with iTunes with digital distribution correct um, e- even myself uh my, my next thing that I'm promoting right now, the, the video that's coming out, the yeah. Hercules Complex, that's going to be all digital. I'm not making any physical copies. Originally, it was physical copies supposed to be in Montreal, but I said there's no point. Mm-hmm. It's so much cheaper to buy it online for people. They yeah. don't have to pay for physical costs to shoot. One click download, and they have it. Yeah. Easily accessible. I don't need to deal with a third party. Yeah. Uh, I do all the promotion. I do everything myself. So I'm all for yeah. uh, the independent route. Yeah, that's great. I mean... I'm I'm down for the independent route too. It's just that you know what if you're taking that route, it's you gotta put a lot of blood, sweat, and tears, man. It's a lot of work, and you know you know that too. I mean, you that's what you're doing right now too. So, I mean, till today we're still independent. We're still doing an independent thing. I mean, you know, like we're working right now on uh, Master D solo project, and like, yeah, we have a major label interested, but I haven't given up on what our path is right now. We're just keeping at it. We're going to keep going at it. And like, you know what, if... Because you know what, like I said, if they back out, they back out. And if, if they're down, it's great. We just created good momentum. And, you know, we'll just keep going from there. What's... Because I know you guys have a legion of fans. Yeah. Um, what's the buzz like right now? Are they all just anticipating, waiting? They're like, look, we want a new The Bills album, let's say, or tour yeah. or something like that? Well, yeah, I mean... Um, or are they more forgiving? Because comedy fans are hostile. You know, they get <laughs> oh, pissed. Fans, fans are always like that. I mean, when you got devoted fans and then they want they want uh, music from you and, and things like that, then yeah, I mean, they're, they're, they're really passionate about it. I mean, you know, we put out, we put out an album, uh, The Trinity, that was out. Uh, it did great. Um, but I mean, right now, I think what the focus of the group was is that, I mean, we've been doing it for eight years as a group. Uh, and I know that between between that time, a lot of them, like Kashif and Master D, were like, yo, they want to work on solo stuff. And I think now is a good time that we um, that we start exploring that. But where it's tougher for the fans because the fans want to see as the unit. We're still a unit, but we're just working on separate things, you know. So like, you know, I'm I'm still behind the scenes working for Master D's project and behind the scenes working with Kashif's project. But I mean, yeah, I mean. It'll take a little bit of time for them to adjust, <laughs> but I know that uh, they, at the end of the day, they know the quality, they know the music that we put out. You know, we don't just put put out quantity; we just put out the quality, and we just put out the right things. And uh, yeah, that's it, man. And that's yeah, it's a little tough for them to understand, but I know I know they'll 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 understand it. Is there a timeline right now for when Kashif's work is going to be done yeah. and Master D's, so that? say everything's complete at once and you do one big tour with everybody's calm down that would be crazy yeah the only thing is that Kashif's project is strictly English it's a whole new market that we're pushing on whereas Master D is focusing on the Bengali Bangladesh market so ah. it's two different markets um, I know that Master D is pretty much on full gear we've been like in concert full gear promotion you know we just shot his music video in Palm Springs uh, you know, getting his EPK out soon. He's putting out a free download that was out on September third. So we're just building that momentum. Um, whereas Kashif, he's actually—I mean, I heard a few tracks from him. He's working on his music, but um, I think the eventual goal will be like, yeah, we'll have enough material for both of them to be doing solo stuff, and at the same time be able to tour as a group. So I mean, that could be a cool perspective one day where. 
you'll have a show where it'll be both artists, you know, like... Because at some point, thing. you got to make it back to Miami. Yeah. <laughs> that's the goal. That's the end game. Yeah, it's that's the end game. Yeah, living in Miami. Yeah, that's right. And what about, are you guys still signing, let's say, are you guys willing to sign new uh, yeah. artists that come to you? Because you know how you said the door's not closed for you because you guys suffered that? Yeah. What if you get someone who's really hot? Um, yeah, I mean, actually, I did uh, I did sign an artist that was part of the team, uh, Drega, and, uh, you know, we promoted him, but uh, it's 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 tough, though, because when you're doing it independently, you know, you got to make sure that you have the right budgets behind it and this and that. I mean, it did pretty well for him, like, you know, his, his music player played on Wolfstar and you know, uh, much music, all that stuff. He did did pretty well, and we still collaborate with him on on a few tracks. So, um, yeah, man. I mean, eventually, of course, you know, if there's talent out there. We're always open to you know good quality talent and dedicated people. You know, and it's unfortunate sometimes I find that people in Montreal are talented people, but they're lazy. Yeah. You know, and it just you just you're like you can't make it if you're lazy man they wait <laughs> they, they wait. don't go out they don't go out and um but yeah i'm always open for people that are you know talented and, and they want me to hear something or give them a give them feedback and they have to be ready to get feedback like you know if you're starting off and you want to if you want to listen if you want me to listen to something well you know what i'll give you my feedback but it'll be constructive it won't be like okay your thing is shit if it's shit it's shit right reality but i mean you know what, if it's good but has potential, you know, I'll, I'll give you feedback on it, you know. And I've done that for a few artists. And, um, I mean, it's hard to, like, keep up and listen to everyone. But, I mean, you know what, whoever needs uh, that kind of support, I mean, uh, and there's a lot of things that you learn from, like, 10 years of being in the business. So, you know, uh, losses and experiences. So, you know, just be like, yeah, don't do that shit again. And just rework from that, you know. What about, I mean, because initially, let's say you, you wanted to pitch the first music video yeah. to Much Music. They were having none of it. Yeah. Then they picked up Spanish Fly. Yeah. You guys built a bridge. They were Now, do you have that rapport where when you have a hot new video, they're like, you have to come to us first. We want to push this. Or is there still a bit of a struggle? There still is a struggle because we're independent. We're an independent company. We're independent artists. So you have to start over every time? Yeah, pretty much. Unless it's a established uh, artist that's been constantly doing it. Um, and you know what? Much music is it's strictly mainly like like English first. Um, but, you know, if you're doing any kind of fusion, you're obviously on the second bottom list. I mean, you know? now you have one English artist, one... That's uh, right. So, I mean, I have my I have my in with, with, with much music to get stuff in. But the reality is it's still the... the the, what do you call that? The um, the priority is always going to be a major. It's always going to be a major. Ariana. Yeah, because marketing budgets, right? <laughs> if you don't have marketing budgets, you know, someone... Because think of it mathematically. It's how it works. The marketing budget pays for the advertising. The advertising pays for the royalties. And the royalties come back to the artist. So it's like, why would they do free stuff for you when you're getting paid to get played right so it's like every time your music video gets played or plays on the radio you're supposed to collect a royalty check but how are they going to pay you the royalty check if they don't have advertising so that's interesting and so it's music business but right? then I mean if they're getting back the same amount of money or somewhere near what the uh, the actual company paid um, the label actually paid just for the advertising budget then isn't it just the same money circling around <laughs> it is kind of like the same money circling that's around that's very I mean, incestuous the... business <laughs> yeah the more you get more involved in it yeah it's it's, it's shady huh <laughs> yeah it's not shady as fuck yeah yeah it's 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 a crazy business I mean it's um, it's cool so like you have the opportunity to to really do it that way or you do it like an organic way where it's like you know like you said these days we have the tools with internet uh you know internet's good in one way and it's bad in the other way good in one way where you get fans from different parts of the world that allow us to tour like parts that we never even knew like Suriname like you know I remember the first time when we got that request I was like what is this a Nigerian scam or something right <laughs> But, uh, you know, we go there and it's like 8,000 people. I was like, how do these people even know who we are, you know? But our song was playing on Amsterdam radio and they're Dutch. And you listen to that radio station. Oh. So it's crazy. Like, you know, that's what I'm saying. Like, that's how the internet is crazy. It allows you to explore and, and get you the fan base. 
but at the same time it hurts you on the piracy stuff but the game but you know you have to adapt you have to understand the, the business and and find ways to, to counter react that so. you guys have a big youtube presence yeah that's right how do you because i know that last time we we're talking uh you had just finished i think finally editing and you closed off the music video i think it was master d's music video pop strings yeah but you were timing every release um, you wanted a certain gap between them That's and right. when it was going to be what's the strategy behind that what's your internal you guys and your business um, how you guys like to distribute these videos because I know that personally you've kind of found a, an equation that you like I wouldn't say it's an equation I think it's more about like giving people uh, the time to absorb and breathe because like I said first of all for them to understand that the groups going solo projects is a challenge so, you know, we put out a music video where people realize, well, it's only Master D. Where's Kashif? Where's Vicious? And it's like, okay, uh, you know what? That cycle for them to understand that Master D is working on a solo project and for them to eventually get adjusted to that and accustomed to that. And then there's a whole bunch of press involved, you know, like, you know, you got into MTV and then, you know, eventually build that momentum where people are like, okay, well, it's only Master D that I see. So, okay, so it's really just him. You know, it takes a little time for for people seeing, like, us as unit for, like, eight years. And now it's like, where's the rest of the guys, you know? But there is no equation. It's more about, like, letting people understand and absorb the, the how material. Do you know, how do you know when a video has run its course? Yeah. And you have another one ready from about the same time that the original was. And yeah. you're like, all right, this is it. I'm launching. Um, it's, it's, it's tough. I mean, like... Um, I would say music videos honestly last a month nowadays before it'd be good for like three, four months. Um, if the song and if the song and the, and the press that's media that's behind the song, it'll allow you to kind of push even further. Like it'll push you like a good two, two and a half months. But, you know, we put out Barish and that was more for something where people knew Master D as singing Hindi tracks Hindi Punjabi stuff and that's what he was part of the group so get people to like okay this is the last thing he's gonna do in Hindi Punjabi so like you know what uh, get get you know absorb it understand it and people are like yeah this is it okay it's amazing now the next step is like okay well now he's going to what he's really want to do which is Bengali stuff and that's where we're going to put out a free download uh, you know what I mean people we want people to understand and download the track and say oh wow okay so he's singing in Bengali and this is really what he's promoting so I don't think it's an equation. It's more about like, you know, within a month and a half, you kind of like notice how people are reacting to things. If people start getting engaging with your stuff and, you know, they're not engaging with you, then they don't like the track or they don't want to know more about it. So you've got to keep doing more legwork, more press, more media, more content, you know, and that just hopefully will, uh, will uh, snowball into something bigger. So. Speaking of snowballing, what's what's the buzz right now in India? Like I yeah. said, billion person market. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. So India is a whole whole different beast because in India there, I used to say eighty percent. Now it's ninety percent is Bollywood run. So it's, so it's Bollywood all that fucking like choreographed. Yeah, thing. all the choreographing and flashy. Nah, 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 nah. Yeah, exactly. All that stuff, dancing in the in the rain and all that <laughs> stuff. So ninety percent of the industry is run by Bollywood, and so you got that ten percent that you got to break through, and it's very hard. And um, labels are not like I told you. If they're not taking risks, so why would they risk taking a risk on an artist and a ten percent margin? where 90% is made in Bollywood, right? So I know when we went, we're like, we saw a commercial for this movie like 20 times in the day. I was like, okay, enough of this movie. I oh, know what push. it is. They really they push. push like crazy. It's everywhere. Billboards, left and right, radio. It's like, and I remember when I go, went to go talk to an executive at Sony and the first thing in our meeting, I was there to pitch our album and he's like, you know, no one buys music anymore. <laughs> Like, okay, the that's said. the first thing, and I'm like, okay, this meeting ain't gonna go well, <laughs> you know what? But I mean, it came out with not, I came out with knowledge there where he's like, listen, the biggest Bollywood playback singers because, like, if people don't know how Bollywood works, is you got the stars, they don't sing, 
there's actual real playback singers who are real talented singers oh, they sing and, and the stars will just put their face on it lip syncing in the movie you know what stuff oh, that's interesting. so like 99% of the, the Bollywood stars don't even sing but is it known to the people in India know like oh uh, that singer I love that singer so if he's the background singer then I want uh, I want to watch this movie or are they oblivious to it I would say 70% of them are oblivious oh they, they think, it's the think star. they think the star is the singer no that. way yeah so there's but music is really big I mean it's very um, it's it's culturally important uh, when they want to listen to those things but so there's some playback singers that are really popular because they've been through generations and, and, and they get good exposure from it um but what happens is the, even these guys, let's let's take the top 10 of these playback singers. You know what? They sing for Bollywood movies, but they also want to do their own albums. Their albums don't sell. Well, they have a hard time putting it out. So when he told me that, I was like, okay, fuck. Fuck, this, this market ain't going to work out for us. But why? Is that market heavy in piracy or is it just because there's no money in India? No, it's, the, 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 the industry doesn't want to take a risk to it because... You know, I'm sorry to say, but like, you know, Indian people sometimes are a little lazy and they're just like, you know what? Hey, it ain't fixed. It ain't broke. Why fix it? Right. Okay. So for them, like, oh, we tried that market. It's not bringing like for them, it's balance sheets. Right. So if it's like, OK, well, Bollywood's making it like a couple of billion. <laughs> These artists are making us maybe 200,000. We'll put them out. But it's not a priority because everyone's going to go see the star. Now, the spinoff is if you somehow get your foot into the Bollywood where you put one of your songs in or if you associate yourself with a star you're ready to dance then the you're well that's the thing so it's like you know all these type of things you gotta make like your first step would be is like okay put a track in a movie so that's good you might get that you might get great exposure from that and that will kind of give you the bounce off where you pitch labels like hey I sang I, I was a playback or my track was in this movie give me a deal and then they'll be oh yeah he's hot so let's put him out Oh, you know, so like, that's the angle you have to work. So we realized that when we went there, we're like, okay, so, you know, we're touring heavily. We're making good money in North America and everywhere around. And here in India, it's a different market. So are we going to break our heads and, and like, you know, spend so... And like, you got to spend a lot of time in India. You got to spend probably like three or four or five, almost a year just trying to build yourself there. We can't spend that much time because if we spend a year there, we're losing all the money in North America. Yeah. So we said, okay, wrap it up. Let's go to North America. Let's tour. And that's what we did. We did 45 cities in North America. And then we did Europe. We did like South America. We did Dubai. We did all these places. Um, but we didn't do India. But in the same time, what our goal was like, we'll constantly keep that market open to pitch ourselves into movies and pitch ourselves music into movies and stuff. And that's the goal. So like, we'll pitch ourselves into movies and try working with directors and things like that and get our way through it there. And once that kind of goes in, that's when we'll take our step and be like, okay, we're going to go to India. Is is the scene in Bollywood, because Bollywood's big. Massive. Right, it probably beats Hollywood, if you think. Yeah, yeah, it totally it beats Hollywood. It kills it, right? So, but are they influenced at all by um, Hollywood or North America in the sense that if you get some buzz here, let's say in a major Hollywood movie, maybe not say the blockbuster of the year, but yeah. like a big movie here, one of your tracks is on. Will that matter in India? Like, oh, he's hot down there, let's bring him. Or will they still be like, yeah, we don't care. It could go 50-50 because I don't know if you know, well, I'm not sure if you know, but I know that Bollywood now has expanded to North America. And ever since they're... They're on Netflix. Yeah, exactly. So what I mean is their box office uh, hits, numbers, are higher outside of India now. Wow. So, you know what I mean? Like, if you... And if you watch a lot of the movies now, yeah, they're very Hollywood influenced. So the CGI and the explosions are like, you know, like huge now. So they're really trying to part it up because they want to... They know that the Indians outside of... India are going to spend to watch a movie because they know these stars and their box office numbers are going bigger there. So, would they really give a crap if I was in a Hollywood movie? Maybe, yes. But I don't think it would make it like, oh my god, yeah, we need this guy. Because we're like, well, doesn't matter. We're going to put that movie out in, in Montreal or Toronto. We're still going to hit box office. So, you know what? That's pretty funny. Yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy. It's crazy now. Like, So, really, the, the door into that is 
getting your foot into Bollywood, getting the right people uh, into, you know, getting to the Bollywood side of things, and then eventually it'll kick off. The good thing about music is that at least, because you don't really have a language barrier. Yeah. Because if the music is good, even people that don't understand it will want to listen to it. And Correct. It. Like, I can't, uh, stand-up comedy, I can't have a career in Greece. I can't <laughs> do Greece. You know what I mean? Unless I change my act and do it in Greek. Well, I'm sure you could still do something in Greece. Something, well, yeah, some little stuff in English, but there's no way I could do what I do here. That's not possible. Because there's not that many numbers of native English people. I mean, they speak oh, English. Okay. But comedy is very cultural specific. And even different English-speaking countries don't have the same sense of humor. Yeah. So, true. Greek sense of humor and American sense of humor, which my stand-up is American sense yeah. of humor, are different. Okay. It's not the same thing. There are some jokes that are, you know, universal. Yeah. But, uh, you know, a lot of the anecdotal stuff. But, I mean, for the most part, I can't go to my home place of Greece <laughs> and perform my art, whereas you could go to Greece. You could go to mine and make it big. <laughs> they love music down there. It's true. You're right. That's true. That's the thing with music. It's... It's it's uh, there's no barriers to music and that's for sure and we've seen it we've witnessed it too when our song was playing on mainstream radio and got a bunch of non-Indian people. I remember people when we were in the car going to Toronto and you hear people calling in yo I want to hear that song who's that banger or you're like <laughs> I don't know what the guy's saying but the song is crazy can you play that song and I'm like this is crazy you know what there is the power of music and I mean imagine you're playing in like Amsterdam where again it's mainstream radio and. Well, Europe has always been open to different cultures. Because it's so close to so many different borders. That's right. So, I mean, and then you go to like Suriname, which is like Dutch Guyana. And I'm like, you know what? And it's like Trinidad. It's like, how are these people hearing this music? Like, from where? Like, you know what? But that's it's, uh, that's how it is with music, man. There's no barriers. And that's what I like about it. So, uh, and that's one of our goals is like, okay, make music that's universal. You know, like a lot of people are like, yo, why don't you just do like a song, like a Bollywood style song? That's just really not us. It's like not our... Like there are songs, I don't want to say that, there are songs which are slow and melodic, which have a Bollywood feel, but we're not going to do that dance in the rain kind of thing. Even our music videos are not going to be like that either, because we grew up here. But that's good that you, you're not going to give up your artistic integrity right. and what you want to do yeah. just to appease a certain other demographic. Yeah, and that's and I remember that's what happened too when we were trying to work our way out in the game when we first started. UK is a huge scene, like huge for like, you know, South Asian, like urban music and stuff like that. And, you know, just you think there's like so many Indian people in Toronto, like there's like 14 generations out in UK already. <laughs> Yeah, so, like, it's big there where people are like, yo, just go to UK and start off the game over there. Or, you know what, just go to go to India and start off the game there. We're like, no, we want to represent North America. We want to represent, we want to put Montreal on the map, you know. We want to put North American artists. And um, it started off a bit of, of a rough patch in the beginning. Because, you know, there was, you know, radio stations in the UK is like, oh, yeah, your music is already played. We've already played that stuff in the UK. But I was, like, banging all across North America. People were like, yo, why aren't you playing their records? Because there's people from, because, again, internet, people from US listen to UK stations. They're like, yo, why aren't you playing the Bills and Kashif 2 Subbunga? Like, what's mattered you? Eventually, they had to catch up, you know? But uh, we had that patch where people would be like why don't you go there we're like no we want to represent North America and that's great also, because you don't want to be driving on the wrong side of the road that's crazy <laughs> yeah that's true too <laughs> but yeah we wanted to keep representing and now it's great because now there's a lot of new uh, artists that are coming from North America and they have uh, they have this door and they have this this medium where I was like okay you know what I don't have to go to UK I don't have to go to India to make it we you know these guys built the foundation here so um, we're, we're good we're happy with that you know Speaking of it being universal music, you guys ever thought of breaking to China? Because those commies need some beats. <laughs> yeah. They need some heavy beats. Oh, man, yeah. I mean, uh, China and Japan is one market that I really Japan, you guys could probably hit. Those yeah. guys are, yeah. though they're incredibly racist, <laughs> they're, they're open to a lot of like. Um, yeah, yeah, music is. Media stuff, yeah, yeah. yeah, music is cool. Japan yeah. is a market that uh, definitely we want to want to try but I mean it takes time man that's the thing independent that's what you can keep continuing doing but again there's a lifespan of, of music but I mean yeah but you know what our first album can go and explode in Japan because they probably never heard of it so which is pretty cool too sometimes oh. would you be willing just for the like say the Japanese listeners to do something really like Japan <laughs> you know what I mean like fucking video game noises and 
<laughs> Not really, because you know what I realized is that... And you call lot... it level up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ding. Um, I've realized that people that are from their own place don't always want to hear what they hear from their place. That's a good point. Um, so they want to they wanna hear new sounds. Like It's funny because I know my manager, our booking manager, had told us like he made one of our really popular songs, which has like 6 million views on YouTube. It's called Darren Nasha, right? And it's been on like Dance India Dance. It's basically like uh, So You Thinking Dance, but Indian version. They call it Dance there. India Dance? Yeah. I like that. So there's a bunch of contestants, whatever they dance and they compete, right? And they use our song like three, four times. You know, so... Uh, what are the royalties like on that? Uh, <laughs> we'll get into that after. Yeah, I want to hear this. <laughs> but, um, so he made one of a really popular Bollywood playback singers, manager, listen to the song. He's like, yeah, what do you think of the song? He listens to it, and he's like, you know, the Indian part is okay, but the English part is great. <laughs> but when he told me that, I was like, are you serious? <laughs> he's like, yeah, but then again, he's representing the biggest Bollywood playback singer in the game. Yeah. So they're like, probably like, to the T when it comes to like, the Indian sound. But if it was really crap, I would have 6 million views, right, on YouTube and like, fans around the world from India loving it because... It's sounds and style they don't hear there. So, yeah. you know, it's different. That's why he's like, oh, I like the English because it's new for them. They never hear, like, that much R&B with Indian and influence in it. So they're like, yeah, I like that. You know, so that's where you, you realize you're like, okay, yeah, you know what? Even if people tell you, oh, do something like that. Nah, man, you got to stick to what you feel is right. And, and you know what? That's what we've always done. Stuck to our gut and just gone with what we think is right. And we've always raise the bar or change the game or you know uh, switched it up everyone's doing one sound we're like no nah, we're not doing the same sound we're gonna switch it up and and start a new trend or start a new sound you know like dirty south i don't like dirty south yeah it's like played out now like yeah. and now because of that every single track is gonna sound like that yeah east coast rappers now they're starting to sound yeah they do all of that uh fucking uh, why can't... because radio wants the same sound yeah everyone wants a dj mustard track so they all go do a dj mustard track to play on radio and then they'll Get some spins and I'm like, okay, now my album's coming up, but here are some other tracks that are not like DJ Mustard. Yeah, it's crazy, man. This is how the game is now. Like, it's so one stream fabricated. And I really hope that they change that one day. Well, the internet's gonna change that because people are gonna walk away from all the mainstream stuff. It's already happening. Because you can get whatever you want on the internet. Already happening. I don't have to listen to what you're pushing. Yeah. I go up there and get what I want. Well, coming to that, a good friend of mine who actually works for. Uh, Universal, I'm not going to say his name, but he works for Universal Radio Promotions. And he's told me, he's like, uh, he goes, your radio is going to die. He said, radio is going to die in three years. Uh, record labels are just flipping out. They're like, what are we doing? You know, and like, they drop a hundred grand uh, to promote a track. If it doesn't flip in three weeks, drop next track. It's crazy. In like two, three weeks, like hundred grand, just like that. But you know where I think they, I think they overplayed. I'll give an example. Whenever I'm not listening to, like, say, a podcast or yeah. um, my own music, and I have the radio on, and it's not satellite, it's terrestrial radio, I can go on a one, two-hour drive, let's say, and I'll hear the same song at least twice. Yeah, of course. Minimum. Yeah. What they do is they play it, and even if it's catchy, like, I'm not into a lot of pop stuff, but even if it's catchy, I'll be like, oh, whatever, I'll enjoy it the first, second... Third, I love fourth. you, Papi. I love you. I love you, Papi. Remember that? Yeah. That fucking J-Lo track. It was yeah. stuck in my head because it was playing. But then it got played so much that I wanted to strangle Jennifer Lopez. Yeah. After That's I smacked that ass though, right? Yeah. But, and what they do is they make you not want to buy it. Like, I don't buy that music anyway. But if I was, if like, say it was heavy metal. Yeah. And... Or rap, gangster rap, and it was a track that I really like. And you play it out that much, yeah. I won't be able to bring myself to buy the album because it's like, ugh, no, nah, I, I don't want to hear this anymore. Yeah, but that's what they have. They have to do. They have. They don't to understand. Sh- they're shooting themselves in the foot. Make course, people want but... it and go look for it and buy it. If I know that I could turn on the radio and in the next fifteen minutes I'm gonna hear it at least twice, then no. Yeah, but but the way we look at it is from an organic perspective. What they look at it is as a business numbers perspective. Just push it out there. So grind it till it grinds out so we maximize the radio and then we can maximize the views we can maximize the downloads we can maximize 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 because that's how it is because the shelf life of that song is probably going to be like 
two, three weeks. But that's bullshit because back in the day, good music in the 80s, 70s, even now, we yeah. see the good tracks stick around. Yeah. They produce garbage and they yeah. try to shove it down your Yeah, throat. that's what it is. But that's why they need to kind of... But what's happening is because the record business is changing and they're all scared. So you still have the older execs who don't know how to succumb to this change where they're like, we were selling brick and mortar. Now the business has changed to digital. What are we doing? Like, okay, yeah, so we're on Spotify. Okay, we're on Vivo. We're maximizing on SoundCloud. We're maximizing on Spotify. Like, uh, iTunes. Like, you know what? They're like, okay, we got it covered, but we're still not making it. How do you maximize on... Do you guys use... Um, what is it? SoundCloud? SoundCloud's pretty big, I guess. Yeah, well, yeah, I know I said that, but it's 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 still in a beta phase right now. It's an invite only where they'll start sharing revenues on SoundCloud, but... Yeah, I mean, eventually... Revenue based on what? Advertising on the site? So. Yes, it's all advertising. Everything is based on advertising or memberships because you can go on SoundCloud and have a membership account. What does that give you? Uh, you could download as much as you want. You could stream as much as you want or things like that. So, yeah, I mean, all even iTunes. iTunes has their own iTunes radio now. They're doing the same thing to compete with Spotify because Spotify is also disrupting the game. Oh, really? Explain this. Well, in a sense that it's great because you get unlimited listening, unlimited down, like unlimited streaming. You can listen to the song how many ever times you want. You pay a flat membership fee. So it's great as a user, but for the people in the business, it's tougher. Uh, you know, a classic example is like, you know, you get like 8,000 spins and 8,000 spins on, on Spotify will result in, I don't know, 20 bucks in revenue but if you took 8,000 downloads times uh, 99 cents or 75 cents it's a lot of money yeah so I know two years ago everyone was like yes the digital revolution is there it's iTunes is killing it it's great it's going back down now because of other because of all the streaming services but this is where this is why it's tough for the record labels to figure out how to shift because it's it's fast it's keeping on changing one way it's kind of good when you're independent because you can ship really fast. You don't have like a staff and a whole bunch of people be like, okay guys, everyone switch gears to this thing. You know, like when you're independent, it's like, okay, you know what? The new medium is this. Let's all shift to this medium. We can do it faster and you can, you know, build your, your momentum from there. Whereas a record label is like, oh my God, we thought iTunes was the shit. It's not. Spotify is the shit now. Oh man, we got to rework all our, our angles. So it's like, that's why... That's why this, what you hear on radio and how it's being pushed is because of the fast changingness that they don't know. Like, okay, we got to maximize the song, whatever is hot, just put it out, put it out, put it out, put it out. Like, that's how they're thinking. If they really step back and maybe kind of, you know, review it, and like you said, like how old music was, you know, quality and this and that, and start paying attention to that and they find a new sell. way. I mean, Beatles remasters come out. Yeah. People already have these tracks and they're willing to pay $180 for the whole box. Because it's quality music. It's quality music. I mean, like another artist that I give good respect to is also Bruno Mars. Like, he doesn't do this stuff like everyone else does. But he comes out on his performance, songwriting, even his style of videos. There's like, whoa, dude, we're back in the 80s. It's all him, yeah. You know, and it's like really cool and he makes good music. And that's what I'm saying. There can be this change and there can be a, a new sound that or a new way of promoting it, but you know what, you're the helm of the majors and only they can shift that. So. Do you see, uh, do you guys see something that you're uh, kind of ready to shift towards? Because I know that the game changed and then you had the iTunes yeah. thing and now there's a Spotify. Do you guys see something you're like, guys, you know, keep keep your feet moving because we might have to switch to this medium. Do you see that? or Well, yeah, I mean, cell phones? Yeah, cell phones is huge. Um, you know, we are, we are trying to maximize the, the whole cell phone you know downloading kind of uh, technology because jay-z and samsung that deal yeah that was a crazy deal oh. for sure it's a crazy deal i mean the more and more people will kind of go to that direction um to do stuff like that but um the, i mean the switch i mean i like i said i said i noticed spotify is kind of taking over more um so you know you just got to um I mean, for us, we have all those angles kind of taken care of. Uh, it's just a matter of trying to see now, okay, which one is really going to help. Um, the way I always see music is it's a vehicle of promotion, right? And music will speak for itself. So great if you make additional revenue from, you know, 
from SoundCloud or from iTunes or from or uh, or, or Spotify. But the reality is, if your music's good and you know if you cater to what your true self is, who you really are, and you do the right visuals and you promote and you engage with your fans and you tour, that's where the big money is. I think the big money is in touring. You, you just yeah. said it right there. That's right. So that's really what. That's really what it is. But there's something to be said about live performance. Yeah. Like, I mean, even when people, uh, they come see me for the first time and they've only seen, say, videos, clips, yeah. they tell me how much, oh, dude, this is so much different, so much better. And it's hard for me to tell people, like, yeah, I want you to download the videos, I want you to enjoy that. But if you get a chance, you know, if I'm in your yeah, studio, then, yeah. it's a different experience. Yeah, it's because you're connecting. You're connecting with, where you're connecting with the audience and that's where makes you a, a good artist, a good comedian or, you know, whatever type of entertainer you are. Uh, compared to somebody who's not if you can't connect with your audience and if you can't deliver the right thing then i'd rather just watch you online right so i mean that's the, you're you're right i mean you know if you come i mean i came to check out your show it was pretty yeah. sick you yeah, know you i mean it's, time. You were, yeah i mean it was like a first time seeing you on stand up and i was like man this, this is a good connection you know you did some great you know the crowd was going crazy for that and um, yeah, man, that was that was a good stuff. What a, what a fun night! Now that's why I'm waiting for you guys to get on tour. Yeah, so I got a chance to come there with my goddamn cardboard sign. Yeah, <laughs> just yeah. throwing. You're like, yo, who threw his boxers on the stage? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that motherfucker. <laughs> Spider Man. Yeah, <laughs> Spider Man boxers. <laughs> What's he doing? Yeah. Yo, but I want to hear. Before we go, you gotta tell us about this royalty thing. Okay. I asked you about those royalty <laughs> dance thing. I want to hear this. What happened with that? It's it's, it's different. The reality is that the the royalty structure in India still hasn't been set. Okay. Are you? So, <laughs> is this a nice book saying they pirated your shit? Oh yeah. There's a big there's a big piracy industry there. So, I mean, if you really think about it, is that because if labels try to stop them, they can't. Because it's just too big. Like the underground piracy market is huge, so they do work out deals with piraters. How? Like, because the reality is, because you know, like you know how it is in India. You have all these different levels of of, of let's say income generated people, yeah. right? So you have the the really poor, you have the middle class, you have the rich. The rich don't mind going in and you know buying a CD or whatever it is and be like, okay, I want, I don't care how much is it. It's not even that expensive, dude. It's like probably like two dollars, right? Yeah. If you convert it in from rupees to whatever, so they'll pay it. But then you got guys who don't want like to pay a lot, and they'll just get bootlegs where you can put like five albums on one on one CD and you'll sell for a dollar, right? That's sick. So, I mean, how are you going to get away? It's like it's like black market. You just can't. You can't. It's too hard. Because it's not like a. It's an industry, but it's not like a legitimate industry where they have. Hey, download uh, this bootleg album. Yeah, and the, and the other, and the other thing is, iTunes is not big in India, right? So anything like trying to download something from iTunes is you, it's it's not big. What's Do they have? Are they big on digital downloads? Yeah, the that's the thing. Market? So they, their big concept is ring back, ring tones, uh, and downloading straight from SMS. Well, that's the huge thing. So if they hear a song somewhere, they like it, they could text message the song straight to their phone. That's sick. So that's where it's different. So like if you're, if you know, if you say like get it from like iTunes, iTunes is cool, but it's not as huge as a direct carrier to carrier billing. Like you're like, oh, you know what? I like the song. I'll just download it right away and text message it and get it right away. Or they go to the, uh, like the providers have like apps on their phones where you just click on it and you have the latest tracks. Oh, I want it to get it. That's insane. Yeah. So it's, it's a different, uh, and again, like I said, you'll have a guy who can't, probably you know afford a proper car but you'll have the, the latest samsung phone you know uh, i remember when i went there there's some random kid goes up to the store and says yo i want this phone i want to swap i'm like you can swap phones like it's just crazy they just pull out the sim it gives him like a uh, hundred rupees and he swaps the phone and he's like okay i got another new phone for the weekend <laughs> you know yeah i agree phones are like that too in europe i think it's not like north america i mean not only were they ahead of the game because i remember in 2001 in greece it was the first time I saw like legitimate camera phones with like oh yeah, megapixels, 
And I came back to Montreal, right? And it wasn't even talked about. It was a flip. Yeah, it, it wasn't even a flip at the time. It was like the, the regular, I think it was Nokia. And they were so far ahead of the game. Every time I go to Greece in the summer, I'd see new shit. And the technology that was in it was so far yeah, beyond yeah. what we had here. And then later, slowly started coming in here, started hitting big. Like it was yeah. the galaxies, the iPhones, they started having all these features. But this is stuff that the Europeans do. The people in Greece, grandmothers in Greece, had <laughs> ten years before. Yeah, like all the, all the same with the music. They would download the ringtone. They, yeah. they would just be instant. You'd create your own stuff on it. Uh, the screens, yeah. uh, everything was. Uh, you know why I think is because in North America we have these um, the the actual domestic telephone lines were developed. Yeah, the infrastructure is there. So you're there. They're like, screw it. We'll just give you a cell phone. Yeah, we're, we're, we're investing in the cellular market yeah. because we're not going to fucking rebuild. <laughs> we're going to start breaking the ground and start putting wires exactly. in. Exactly. Just put some bunch of satellites in the air. Yeah, get some brain cancer and we're, we're good. Yeah. What's well, a couple of people, you know, yeah. But did you guys get royalties off that the dance in the dance thing? Reality, no. Because, like I said, it's not really structured. But I but, am... but this, was, this wasn't pirates. This was a legitimate... It's a legitimate show. show this, is, yeah. this is fucking so you think you could dance Indians. Yeah. So you Indians think you could dance. Yeah, exactly. And that's where I'm trying to work to see with our, you know, right society and things like that and how we can kind of collect it. Because in the end of the day, I mean, you know what? You're performing. It's performing rights. So, like, you're supposed to pay. Yeah, but so. you're going to go up against... No, uh, we won't, but the thing is... The mighty Bollywood? Who's going to go up against Bollywood? Yeah, but that's the thing. Like, you, we have, you know, like you have SoCan and ASCAP, BMI. These guys monitor these things, you know? I mean, at the end of the day, they probably don't monitor everything. They don't care. Yeah, so it, so we kind of have to approach them and say, hey, this song's playing on these TV stations. You need to collect it. I so. bet you if Pitbull was playing... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and that, anything you want to plug... Um, no, man. I mean, it was a great conversation. It's, uh, I actually like this, uh, this type of podcast because you know what, uh, compared to regular interviews where people just ask you like the same question over and over is cool. Like we talked about the, the industry and, and the business itself. And I really hope that people understand, uh, what it is like being an independent well, that, that's what I want to do. I mean, the idea of this podcast as opposed to the 4-H podcast was so I interview people who I think are interesting and they get to talk and actually yeah. express themselves. It's not like me pushing them in a direction. It's tell me, right. yeah, what's yeah. your story, what's happening. That's right. And people learn. And, uh, you know, there's new people who listen to me that don't know anything about you guys get to learn. Oh, shit, right. check that. this guy sounds interesting. And it's easy to get more, uh, more yeah. support. Yeah, of course. Plus, you guys should get support, man. The music is quality. Uh, they take this shit seriously. They've been doing it for a decade. Um... They opened the doors for a lot of people that were doing it independently, both in Toronto and in Montreal yeah. and around North America, really, who started seeing what you could do when you push it. Um, they introduced people to another segment of music. Yeah. Uh, like I said, the whole language barrier thing didn't matter. They started coming up with songs people didn't understand, but they loved the songs, yeah. which proved that it, you could tap in any market with music. Yeah. So it was big for you guys. You guys did a lot. Um, next, what's the new thing that's coming out? I think uh, so right Master now, D's dropping a track. Yeah, so Master D's working on a solo album. Um, we are releasing a track actually on September 3rd. It's a free download. You can go to his uh, Facebook page. It's facebook.com slash masterdonline. Uh, check out our website, billsmusic.com. And you B-I-L-Z? can go back. B-I-L-Z music, M-U-S-I-C dot com. And you can actually go back and just check out all the history, what we've done, um, you know, what we've done and how we've changed the game and all the new stuff and whatever you feel like downloading, watch like our 10, 15 music videos that we've had. So you just understand how we did all that. And remember one thing, back in the day when fucking Vicious was DJ Vicious. Yeah. Right here, and he had that chance that he didn't take to go for, to open for Ja Rule. Ja Rule ain't in the game no more. <laughs> Vicious still is. <laughs> remember that. That's a really good one. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.